Leaving a Legacy is brought to you by hipstersofthecoast.com and can be found on the Top Deck app every Friday. You can support the show directly at patreon.com slash leaving a legacy. Magic is power. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Leaving a Legacy. My name is Patrick. I am your legacy newbie. With me this week, as always, Mr. Jerry Me. What is up, Jerry? Uh, I'm ready to go, Pat. I just got back from hibachi. I had a super soaker of uh, sake sprayed in my face. I'm I'm ready and I'm ready. All, the, all the hibachi places I've gone, they don't do the super soakers. They have like the little guy. What? And he like he like pisses out the sake. <laughs> That's terrible. Why would why would you want it's that? It's weird. Well, I didn't I didn't want it. It's just how it was. Like I didn't say, "Excuse me, could I please drink the sake out of a little penis?" It's just that's what it was. No, you got to get so the hibachi so place by me has like the super soaker, like max four thousand high pressure, just like blast you out of the your guys seat with pumping it up behind the fucking grill. <laughs> yeah, four pumps. Give me four pumps. <laughs> I also asked for 90. four pumps from the penis one, but it was a different kind of pump. Jesus Christ! Well, so much for ever getting another uh, preview card. <laughs> um, awesome. Well, we have a, we do have a guest this week, but first we want to go into our bulk for charity drive. Um, we haven't done a lot of bulk, but we've had a ton of donations which has been amazing so um we're still raising money for the children's organ transplant association i think we're i think we're just about capping it off jerry right we probably have like one more big item and then we'll probably uh, yeah. yeah wrap it up for now um working it out maybe uh announce at the end of this episode yeah we're, we're currently in to- in time yeah we have a really really cool uh like final final item to 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 do something with so we're excited about that. We will mention that at the end of the cast. Of course, this is uh, in support of our friend and listener, Rich, whose son, Wesley, is in need of a liver transplant. And so far, we've raised a little over $900 uh, through the raffles alone, which is amazing. Um, and we have... Man, we have we're going to find out what we have up for raffle next. Tonight, we'll be pulling the Chalice of the Void raffle. So uh, listen for your air horns, and you'll know when, uh, when we're ready to pull that. Uh, awesome. So this week on the cast, we have... Uh, an, an, like an, an elite legacy podcaster still like fairly new to the scene but causing quite a splash putting out amazing content we have ian motherfucking McCune. what is up ian thank you very much for having me guys uh, and i appreciate the warm welcome uh i'm not sure that we really deserve it yet but we're trying our best and uh, i feel like i'm called up to the big leagues right now Man, you, I feel, I mean, honestly, you guys are crushing it. I feel like, so my favorite legacy podcast is the Brainstorm Show. They just do an amazing job. You guys are, like, right up there with them as far as content goes because you're, like, very focused on analysis. You guys are, like, both pretty spiky players, but you also, like, you love to play your decks, right? You guys both, like, have your pet decks you like to play. So you, you, I feel like you uh, can see the game through the eyes of someone who's, like, a Timmy or a Johnny or whatever. I don't know what the the psychographics are but but you're also like you guys both like to win so it, that, that's pretty cool to you get both sides of the coin you guys are really like folks in the format and i think it's a really really great podcast thanks man that means a lot and yeah we try to be somewhere i guess in between the two shows we're big both big fans of the brainstorm show too what they're doing yeah and we're not doing it on that level right now but me yeah maybe someday we can approach that yeah i mean they're there i really do think like 
they they have an awesome product. But I I, I just want to say, in the absence of the Brainstorm Show, you guys are supplanting my my favorite legacy podcast. So if you guys haven't checked out the Dead Format, please uh, check it out. You guys are on iTunes, Stitcher, all that stuff. So if you can if you can find our podcast, you can certainly find the Dead Format. If you haven't checked it out, definitely uh, check it out. You guys got a uh, new artwork yet too, right? Or is that not publicly released? We got. Oh, uh, dude, I'm pretty sure it's public. I saw it on uh, SoundCloud earlier today. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's like I don't handle that. Maybe yeah. it's public. Maybe it was it's pretty not. crazy. So, we put out the message on Twitter, and uh, I guess some some Venezuelan responded, uh, offering to do our art for us, and we got the benefit of helping them. Uh, you know, helping out a Venezuelan, so that was pretty cool. And they did beautiful art. Nice. That's Super awesome. Super happy with That's it. That's awesome. Uh, yeah, awesome. it came out it came out looking really cool. Um, yeah, so uh, tell me what it's been like to like be at the genesis of a new podcast. What's that been like for you guys? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, hey, no, listen. All right. So for anyone who's like who's – right, before we get in to tell us about that story, I'm going to tell you about how I weaseled my way on leaving a legacy. Uh, I contacted Adrian and Jerry because I was going to play at SCG Worcester. This was my first legacy event after like – like playing standard for like a solid year and then not being able to keep up with it like with the trading because my my son was just just been born my second son and uh i'm like you know what i'm gonna try to play legacy because these guys are always talking about it so i built legacy burn and uh met up with uh adrian at miss worcester just outside of uh the dcu center we had breakfast and uh i played all nine rounds or whatever that day and and i think i went like two and whatever or maybe one and whatever um but had a ton of fun and then and then uh uh adrian asked if i wanted to come on the cast and i said absolutely and then uh the next week he asked if i wanted to come on again and i said yes definitely and then i just kept showing up <laughs> and uh and that's it and that's then now it's the jerry and patrick show and we've been uh we're coming up on episode 200 which is kind of crazy yeah, I mean, I knew you were going to stick when uh, I sprayed you with a garden hose and you still didn't. <laughs> so. I just opened up my mouth and said, four pumps. <laughs> <laughs> nice callback. Nice callback. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so, um, so Ian, what's it been like to kind of like build one from the ground up? Oh, dude, it's been an experience. So basically the bands happened, and that day uh, Tom and I were texting back and forth because we're usually like throwing around deck ideas and such, and... I was on the exercise bike at the gym and I was just tired of typing to him and he kept, you know, throwing five messages at me and I'd throw five back and there were just like paragraphs, you know, that sucks. So I was like, dude, let's just record this. And he's like, okay, yeah, like tomorrow, nine o'clock. And I was like, oh, sh- oh shit. Yeah. So I felt bad. Oh, it's on. <laughs> I- no, no <laughs> street yard rules. <laughs> yeah. So I couldn't just be like, oh, psych, you know, I was like, fuck it, let's do it, you know? And uh, yeah. so I went home and I set up like this little sort of DIY studio. I found somewhere to record, which was my guest room. And I set up a couple laptops. You know, I had uh, my microphone and my headphones. And I thought it looked pretty cool. So I shot a picture over to Tom, you know, my DIY mm-hmm. studio. And he shoots back a photo of these like standard issue off white iPhone earbuds sitting on a. <laughs> <laughs> Sitting on a kitchen table next to a can of treehouse. <laughs> just like, all right, most important. Let's do it. <laughs> so yeah, That's the awesome. cast was born. And so, how much prep work did you guys do for every episode? Because you guys are like, you guys have a very good handle on the meta, and I feel like you go pretty deep on archetypes and talk about like just really interesting, like like you know, level one, level two, level zero kind of stuff. So, how much like prep time do you have going into every cast, or is it just sort of like a conversation every week? So basically, like my drive to work and home from work 
I'm generally like running through games in my head typically like you know trying to figure out the meta especially after the ban trying to figure out you know which mm-hmm. decks are going to be which other decks i'd say that's my primary prep work and tom right now uh he's a, a school teacher so he has summer off he's on a summer vacation right now so he has a lot of time to jam games online he's always talking about legacy thinking about legacy um he does have you know work to do with his one-year-old son but other than that, I think he has a lot more prep time than me, and he's been doing a lot of the editing too, which is super awesome, and it's going to suck once yeah. he goes back to school. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it, it helps that Tom assigns, uh, you know, play testing to his students. <laughs> I mean, like <laughs> the, the, other good news, the other good news is that, like, because you have a few months before he goes, well, I guess another, like, few weeks before he goes back to school, he'll get, like, the hang of editing down, where, so it shouldn't take as long, you know, when he gets back, so, which is always good too. Yeah, definitely. And we were super picky. Like, the first two episodes, we both edited. Mm-hmm. Like, we went over and, you know, cut this and moved that. And then the last mm-hmm. three, we've just sort of been like, oh, did you edit it? Yeah, I cut a couple minutes. Yeah, okay, cool. Let's push it, you know? But he- Yeah, t- I mean, t- to be honest, like, what, I mean, you and you and Tom are, like, both very familiar with each other. And, like, when you have a good rapport, the, honestly, the conversations, as long as you don't go into, like, a political diatribe and you're going to get yourself in trouble, like, they, they're usually pretty good. You know, it's usually pretty uh I, I don't know i feel like the podcast sounds really good man i really i think you guys are doing a great job with it well, thanks a lot man yeah we try to keep politics out of it yeah good idea <laughs> man i wonder what it's like having good rapport with the <laughs> <laughs> jerry and i only record two podcasts a week now so <laughs> it's i know man i i i feel like i've uh dedicated my second life to podcasts yeah your first <laughs> life is eve online right yeah, I mean, Eve Online for life. I mean, can't. <laughs> I had the microchip embedded in, uh, you know, my wrists. How's the D and D podcast going? It's it's been pretty good. Um, we so we started like we've only been recording like honestly like every like three or four weeks lately. But the good thing was is that we had a few episodes in the can already when we started releasing them. Right. So the release schedule has been pretty steady every other week. Um, but it's been it's been fun. It's like like doing it over Skype isn't ideal. But I still have a good time with it. It's, it's fun. That's awesome, man. All right, gents. Should we talk about uh, the meat of today's uh, well, episode? Well, I mean, we to a- be honest with you, I've kind of already shot my four pumps now because <laughs> I didn't want, I didn't get a chance to watch any of the PT, sadly. So you guys have to do, like, the majority of the load here. I'm going to just be here kind of watching on from the from the corner of the room. <laughs> All right. You uh- – <laughs> <laughs> There's too much on this episode. <laughs> Have you ever seen like the Key and Peel sketch where like you can do like the hip thrusts in the end zone? You can only do two. You can't do three. Uh, <laughs> yes. Kind of like that. Only four pumps. Only four. Only pumps. four. Uh, you should see Pat at like a Wendy's at the ketchup machine. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, anyways, yeah, I mean, kind of history-making event here. Legacy on the Pro Tour, and the first time in I don't even know how many years. Like, I think it was, was it ever? I think it was on the Pro Tour, like, maybe once or twice, if at all. I, like, way in the early days. Yeah, I can't recall. I mean, I've been playing Legacy since 2014 or 2015, maybe. And I can't say I can recall it ever being on the Pro Tour since then. So it's been a few, it's been a couple of years at least. Yeah, I mean... I, I don't. I, I'm probably. I don't want to say one way or another because I know someone's just gonna. No matter what I choose, someone's gonna tell me I'm wrong. So, <laughs> so one one thing I thought was really interesting, and and I just want to ask because I've been meaning to ask Ian about this. Um, when you guys were on your podcast, um, you were talking about like you would be surprised if 
like legacy, yeah, like legacy players who are on the pro tour would play something like Eldrazi Stompy or even Black Red Reanimator, just because like those are very like variance heavy decks, and so, like a lot of times you're not in control, like you don't have that many decision trees with that with those decks. Like, were you surprised to see such a strong kind of showing for those two decks? Yeah. So actually, Red Black Reanimator came in pretty much exactly where I expected it, which was like in the second tier of most popular decks. Uh, mm-hmm. I think Tom Stance because he's played that deck more and he played Stompy like Eldrazi Stompy more recently like this past week and really just didn't like the experience I think yeah. he really felt like you know it was unlikely for people to bring that deck and I agreed with him in that regard I thought that Red Black would be better represented but mm-hmm. in general yeah we were both really surprised to see the the number of chalices that showed up the number of Eldrazi yeah yeah for sure and I, I was I have to say like again I haven't gotten to see much but just watching some of like the uh seeing the breakdowns <clears throat> there was more t- uh, like rug delver than I expected because I didn't think that deck was very well positioned personally um so there was more rug delver than I expected and a lot less miracles than I expected which is not like both things are fine with me because I like seeing delver decks push it and I like and I'm not a huge fan of the miracles deck so um, but Grixis Control came in number one with a bullet for sure. Yeah, I couldn't possibly agree more. There were like a ton of Rug Delver decks, uh, which we you know pretty much saw coming, and not as many Grixis Delver decks. But if you look at the data, and it's kind of fuzzy, right? Because it's a team tournament, and you don't know who actually won which round. But there's some sort of correlation. Right. But it looks like the Grixis Delver decks might have performed a little better than the Rug Delver decks. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of what we were thinking coming in, and there were I I agree. Yeah, a couple of rounds where uh, towards the end we got to see Jacob Wilson on Rug Delver, and he kind of mm-hmm. got muscled by like Death and Taxes and uh, the Blue Black deck, because yeah. you know there were decks that just went a little bit larger than Rug Delver, and that's really what I was going to be concerned about playing that deck. Yeah, well, I mean, with as far as like Grixis first Rug, what it seemed to came come down to is Gurmag Angler is still on average better than Goyf most of the time. Like, Goyf is usually only a 4-5, and Gurmag uh, just wins that trade. Gurmag is also just a more efficient creature in general, which is kind of crazy to say for a card that requires, like, what, six Delve cards? But it's just a better, it's a better creature, I think, overall. Absolutely. It's, it can, you know, it can't, be a, it can't be Abrupt Decayed, it can't be Fatal Pushed. Like, those are two real cards in the matchups that I think you're going to see more often than, than well, certainly than Swords of Plowshares right now. Yeah. I mean, while we're on it, we might as well just talk about, uh, you know, Jonathan uh, Sukenik, I think is the way it's pronounced. Yeah, Su- Sukenik? Uh, his Grixis Delver. Is that what it is? Yeah, Sukenik. Um, yeah, he came in seventh uh, for the Pro Tour with Grixis Delver, and I got to watch a bunch of his matches on stream, uh, and he, he played it really, really well, and I think his build is super interesting compared to uh, Grixis Delver during the Deathrite Shaman heydays. Um, so kind of running down here, the mana base is still pretty much the same, you know, two Misty Marine Forest, three Polluted Delta, three Scalding Tarn, uh, four Underground Sea, three Volcanic Island, four Wasteland. Um, that's pretty standard, and it looks like he just cut the, uh, d- uh, Deathrite Shamans, and it looks like he went up on a True Name Nemesis compared to previous builds, so four Delver of Secrets, three Gurmag, three True Name. Yeah, so at the Star City, he um, was actually running four True Name, and which is, like, such a big call, right? He really believes in the card, but yeah. four is just, like, you get flooded on them too often, I'd have to think, so... Yeah, yeah. I saw him pitch True Name to Force Will a few times on. That's stream. still nice to be able to do, right? You can't do that with a mongoose. Yeah, yeah, can't do that. With but now he has how two bitter blossoms, which is super cool. Yeah, how close is yes. this to the Rich Shea uh, deck that we saw at the Leaving Legacy uh, two and a half k or three and a half k? 
pretty different once we get to the the spell. Okay. Uh, sweep. I know. He, I remember him. Yeah, I just bitter, remember him playing Bitter Blossom. And that he did. He did play Bitter Blossom. Yeah. That was right around when Bitter Blossom was catching on with Grixis Delver, mm-hmm. and that was right before the Deathrite Shaman banning. Oh. And Bitter Blossom was starting to catch on. Interesting. Um, and I, it looks like we're just seeing him. Uh, you know, Jonathan double down on it mm-hmm. here. Uh, running two bitter blossom and I mean that's essentially I would say a creature slot like it it takes a while but it, it service it services absolutely yeah for sure. Um, I just think it's funny just running you know the three true name nemesis. It's like you can't curve out with Deathrite Shaman anymore, and he just doesn't care. Yeah. It's like still we're just jamming true name on three. Yeah. Still a great card. Yeah, still a great card. One of the, uh, one of the, I just want—I want to just mention one thing real quick. One of the things I like about Grixis Delver right now over Rug Delver is that, like, I still don't feel like playing green is worthwhile in these decks. Like, I would rather play something like Inquisition of Kozilek, something that's more proactive than playing a card like Nimble Mongoose or even Tarmogoyf at this point. Yeah, I—that's I, a great point, Pat. Because pl- I played Grixis Delver during the Deathrite Shaman era, and. It it like it's so funny that losing Deathrite Shaman makes the mana base feel better. <laughs> like, not running that tropical island just feels so much cleaner. Yeah. Uh, well, like all your all your um, basically all your lands except for your wastelands are gonna have like make sure that Daze is live in your first turn. Like you can play all your spells pretty much. You know, it, I don't know. It just like being able, like drawing that trop in your opener always felt really bad. Yeah, and that's the thing is like Rug Delver. I always really liked because its mana base is so oh, tight. Yeah, very. Like it looks like the most well to like fine tuned mana base in yeah, Legacy behind Blue Red Delver, Delver personally. But yeah, uh, I mean uh, that it. Could, I'm just saying, just like pure like clunky, clunky ba- basics. Pat, yeah. you know, dual lands, dual lands are uh, better. Two and two and two is not play. clunky. That is elegant. <laughs> <laughs> symmetry is not beauty, Pat. Come what on. are you talking? <laughs> symmetry is beauty. That's like. <laughs> That's like a da Vinci. Da Vinci would disagree. <laughs> what are you talking about? Da Vinci would disagree. He made all the. He made like those the the cir- the man with a circle around the him. Vesu- everything yeah, was the everything Vesu- was. Are you thinking of Picasso? Maybe. The Vesuvi. No, I'm thinking of Da Vinci. Look up Da Vinci. Listen, Jerry was just raving symmetry. about fucking he hotel art. So let's not purposely about what art is. Please. <laughs> All right. Before this turns into a debate on uh, Renaissance artists, let's get so yeah, real quick. <laughs> the the black sideboard cards I feel like are the big thing, right? Between Grixis and yeah. Rug, like you see Liliana, the Last Hope, Marsh Casualties, Diabolic Edict, and Sukenix Board, and we saw like a lot of Dreadnights in this tournament. There's just mm-hmm. the black options are so much better. The green has what? Uh, Ancient Grudge Flashback. That's that's like it. Right. Yeah. It's it's not. Yeah. Like, you're decay. just not seeing a ton of green in the sideboards. Like I I just man I really just think. The blacks like playing proactive cards like Thought Seize or or like he's playing like Kenex playing uh, Inquisition of Kozilek are just more yeah. proactive. They're gonna get you edges against de- like against combo decks which you need help with. And I just feel, I, I don't know man like I just never was impressed with playing turn one Nimble Mongoose. It didn't feel good. Hmm. Let's let's talk about that. I'm glad you brought that up, Pat, because that was the first thing I noticed when I looked at this list. Uh, list is four Inquisition of Kozilek. Yeah. That is a statement. Yeah, that, I mean that that's really saying like, all right, I want to pull your show and tell out of your hand or or your brainstorm or whatever. That is ju- that is just like a a very proactive card, right? Yeah, well, it's also it's like it's interesting that it's not thought seeds. Mm. You know, that is usually a slot slot we see thought seeds in. Um, you know, other things like more spell peer sometimes, but usually the one mana discard spell of choice in Legacy is Thoughtseize, just because you know there are a bunch of things that it can hit that Inquisition can't. You know, yeah. you always kind of feel bad when you Inquisition and you see your opponent has a bunch of lands and a Jace. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but can we also like say um, that it seems like it's probably a good call because like if you're looking at the top decks played, things like Grixis, Sneak and Show, Eldrazi 
like pulling a chalice out of the hand feels really good. Uh, death death I mean, and taxes is fine. Like <sighs> Eldrazi feels really bad though. Like I would much rather thought seize against Eldrazi because you know you want to get like their thought not seers, their their reality mm-hmm. smashers. Um, I think it's really just a concession to Bitter Blossom. Sure. Like I don't think he. Oh, good point. Yeah. Sacrifice sacrifice so much life you know between Fetchlands, bitter blossom and if those were straight thoughtsies four thoughtsies that's just a ton of life and there's going to be close matchups like in the delver mirrors where you can't afford that's a really good point jerry i guess i really hadn't considered uh the effect that like the two of bitter Bitter blossom can have in your life so that's probably worth mentioning for sure yeah i missed that i was kind of confused by the inquisitions honestly but that does make some sense jerry yeah. Also, it just feels so much better when you play against Burn. Maybe it was just expecting a shit ton of <laughs> I can't tell you, like, the feel bad moment, you just go, like, turn one underground, see Thought Seize, and you see a bunch of lightning bolts in your opponent's hand, and you're like, fuck. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, like, I do feel like Inquisition gets, like, is able to get a lot of the problem cards out of the decks that showed up that day. Well, again, without taking the two life loss, which is not nothing for sure. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think it's very, very cool. I, if you haven't watched the matches, I would definitely uh, go back and watch his because they were very skillfully played. Um, I, I definitely think he was one of the best uh, players that we saw on camera during the Yeah, he did tour. not sweat. He was uh, very calm and collected, played yeah. very well. <laughs> cool as a cucumber. <laughs> uh, uh, also... Uh, I just want to know, like, mention just how many Eldrazi aggro, like the two most. So we've had two copies of Eldrazi aggro and two copies of Death and Taxes in the top eight. Yeah. Of the and and of honestly, tour. Eldrazi Stompy was fourteen, had fourteen decks in the tournament, coming in at like just under eight and a half percent of the metagame. And then another, you'd expect. yeah, another seven decks were the Eldrazi Post, which is like right. fifty of the same cards. Yeah, and yeah, I mean they play. I do think that they play extremely differently. Um, I don't, so I don't know if I would be too quick to like loop, like to like put them together. But yeah, that's a really good point. Is that like you have these two major like colorless decks, uh, you know, having you know 21, 21 decks out of the uh, yeah, it's still like the, the chalice game. macro archetype though, which is sure like almost twenty five percent. You can loop in mono red in there too, then I guess. Yeah, exactly. Which also had a lot more. I think there were seven players. Yep. And yeah, when you have in the top five, you have Sneak and Show and Death and Taxes. I'm pretty sure everybody had those two decks in their expected top five. I was mm-hmm. really shocked to see anyone brought like a Blood Moon Stompy deck because those are tough yeah. mashups. Yeah. I, I People like playing the turn one Blood Moon. It just feels, you know, it's or you're just being able to play like uh, 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 what's the Goblin Ravel Master really early. Can, sometimes that just that ends the game really quickly. Yeah, Chalice and Blood Moon can definitely end games, and if that's what you're looking to do, maybe there's just more Zach Turgeons out there than we know. Yeah, I mean, Zach has been yeah. putting up, like, really good... Like, he won the challenge not that long ago with it, so maybe people are looking to results like that and looking at, you know... Because it, it, I feel like it's made top eight of the, of la- the last few... Uh, yeah, I just think it's a solid yeah. deck. Like it's been putting up consistent results for the last six months to a but, year. Like I think eventually you just have to say it's like, yeah, it's a legitimate choice. It's not a rogue deck anymore. Yeah, totally. I just think what's worth mentioning is something that I think that um, you guys talked about, Ian, on the on the Dead Format cast was that like you would imagine that legacy players who are on the Pro Tour are good magic players, right? Number one. And they probably want to play a deck with like that has the most decision trees for them because when you're a really good player, the more decisions you make, the better of chance you have of, of you know, uh, outmaneuvering your opponent. And it feels like a, a deck like Eldrazi Post, certainly Eldrazi Stompy, 
and uh, to a lesser extent, mono, like the mono red prison deck has a lot fewer decision trees. I'm surprised to see such a strong showing out of those decks. Maybe like they were just hoping to prey on on decks like like Rug Delver uh, and and like Black Red Renator. They're going to come out really fast, but are going to have such low like casting costs in their in their deck. Like they'll be able to shut them out with uh, either a Blood Moon or they'll shut them out with a Chalice. Yeah. Yeah. Well, oh, go ahead, Jay. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I was just going to say, I saw this earlier in uh, one of the... Ch- I don't know if this was a troll, because it wasn't troll chat, but uh, <laughs> uh, we were talking about Jarvis. Apparently Jarvis played Black... Jarvis Yu, famous Lands player, played Black Red Reanimator at this Pro Tour. So it's just funny, the swaps that the the pros make, kind of the opposite of what we were expecting. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah, high decision tree to just, you know, very high variance, just trying yeah, to... Yeah, well, so I think there's a couple things. I was kind of taking the counterpoint to Tom on that a little, where... If, if you're playing as a Pro Tour player against other Pro Tour players, I'm not sure that you can really count on being able to leverage the decision trees because they have the same decision trees available to them, right? Like, it's all relative. It's not like you're playing at a, at a Grand Prix day one where you probably cannot play a lot of people. You have to assume that your average opponent is at least as good as you, I'd imagine. So, yeah, so yeah maybe just, you know, being able to play those games where you get some free wins or you just, you know, can give yourself that mental space because all your decisions are being made for you for, like, one game, you know, out of three. Maybe that's, you know, more valuable. Yeah, for sure. Um, I know that, you know, they were testing with uh, JPA, the famous uh, sneak-and-show player, um, and it just seemed like a lot of the – this was Team Mass Drop – um, it just it's funny kind of just the insight that they were going into as far as uh, going for a more uh, you know trade offy type mm-hmm. uh, maybe maybe it's also just you know the fact that it's a teams of three so just like you're you're kind of hoping that you get two out of three so maybe just if you play three variant decks you yeah that. absolutely and I think JPA played in this pro tour if I'm not mistaken right yeah yeah he played uh, he played Trinity Tell in this pro tour he went uh, nine and five wow that's pretty good. Yeah, definitely good. I mean, I was glad he cut the ley line of sanctities. I was so proud of him. I was so happy. <laughs> good, good choices. Um, also, just going back real quick, I, I think it's funny. Uh, Deathrite Charming gets banned, and people are saying that, oh man, they banned my deck. And then Grixis is still the most popular deck of the format. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one thing I did want to mention too, and I'm interested to hear your thoughts on it, was so. We've heard that like Death Shadow is going to be a legacy deck, right? Like it's a it's a legitimate legacy deck. We saw, I think it's yeah, here, nine yeah. copies of Blue Black Shadow, and then also three copies of Grixis Shadow. And I can't say that I know like the difference between the two, but I mean, considering that's twelve total copies of uh, Red Pat. Well, Pat, the difference is red. Uh. <laughs> How do you do it, man? Um, How do you do it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just I'm interested because I think that's probably the largest. Um, chunk of death shadow that i've seen in the legacy event am i mistaken there yeah it's very surprising yeah i think that is the highest concentration i mean we've been seeing uh death shadow pop up more and more frequently in events and when i first saw this graph that just said total numbers it didn't say who the players were i'm like all right maybe there were a bunch of teams that had you know not a really dedicated legacy player they preferred modern and they decided to port that over or maybe it's some teams that didn't get sponsorship and so they had a budget legacy <laughs> yeah, deck. Yeah, I, I And then I'm seeing like so, like Channel Fire like Josh Utter Laden for Channel Fireball was running yeah. Death Shadow. So I'm like, all right, that's clearly like, not either of LSV those two too, right? Like <laughs> Yeah, it's like all right, my theory is out the window. When when, so. uh, when Aaron showed up with it, uh, Aaron from the Turn One Thought Seas, when he came to um 
GP Vegas with it uh, two years ago. I think it was two years ago or a year ago, whatever. Um, and he had – I kind of like gave him like a little bit of a side eye. Like, come on. Like, I know you're a modern player. Like, if you're really going to play Death Shadow and Legacy. But clearly, like, he was maybe even a little bit ahead of the curve. Like, that deck really does have legs in the format. Yeah, so without Deathrite Shaman, this is something that Tom and I had discussed. Is like, what's the black one drop in a Delver deck, right? It, mm-hmm. The only thing you can really go to anymore is – you know, you can't cast Gurmag Angler on turn one. You can't cast Death Shadow right. usually on turn one either. But, uh, yeah, yeah <laughs> once in a while, if you get lucky. But yeah. I think it might just yeah. be the most efficient, you know, blue-black Delver deck, right, at it, this point? It, I'm just, I'm so interested that it had such a strong showing after a card like Gitaxian Probe was also banned, because I feel like that is just a card that that deck yeah. certainly wants. Isn't that crazy? Like, people, yeah, people are still like, no, this deck is good enough without... Without uh, 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 Gitaxian Pro. So the way that the way that I felt was that they needed to splash either green for Abrupt Decay or black for or sorry red for like your Colagon's commands and a Braids for like the Chalice mm-hmm. matchup. But if you see the tech that they had here, I, I believe it's called uh, Throne of Geth. Geth. Yeah, Throne of Geth. Yeah, absolutely. Which all right? Can we talk yeah, about the... why? <laughs> all right. So there must be a reason why they played that, right? Like, why yes. isn't it Ratchet yes, Bomb? Is. Why isn't it something that's like or, or even a. Uh, uh, What's the other one that has like the engineer explosives? Cult? Yeah, why isn't it EE? Why isn't it Ratchet Bomb? I mean, those both are more flexible. I mean, Throne of Geth is literally just for the. Yes, chalice. can we just talk about that real quick? What that card does for people who might not know? Yeah, I mean, I I had to look it up. I was surprised when I saw it. Also, I just want to point out there were two copies of uh, Death Shadow in uh, the top eight as well. It's just one's labeled Death Shadow and one's labeled Blue Black Shadow. <laughs> so I didn't. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, Josh Adderladen came in second, and Andrew uh, Beekstrom came in eighth, uh, both playing uh, Death Shadow decks. Uh, Throwing a Geth, though, is two for an artifact, and it says tap, sack an artifact, proliferate. Uh, yeah, that's, I mean, it, it's interesting. That is a good point, Pat. You know, why isn't it something, you know, engineered explosive is going to cost the same as far as dealing with the chalice and a deal? Actually, it, Throwing a Geth, Geth also deals with multiple chalices. Um, you know, what else does Throne of Geth deal with that, uh, you know, but they it, are afraid of? Throne of Geth doesn't really deal with multiple chalices, though. So it right? does because like, they can't yeah. cast the second one once you've hit the first one. Oh. That, okay, so that's something that I didn't even... Well, no, even if... I didn't even pick up on even that. Even if there's multiple... Even if there's multiple chalices in play, it deals with it because you can add a counter to each right. chalice. Well, so what I'm saying is, like, if they have a chalice on zero and a chalice on one, like, it doesn't really matter. Like, what do you even put one on one and one on two? Like, it's you're still in a bad spot. What you're saying is, like, when you put the chalice on two, they can't make another chalice for one because there's a chalice on two. Yeah, but, I mean, yes, that I mean, that is true, but you get to choose with pro. No, no, I understand that. I understand that. You can leave one on zero and keep and move the other one up to two yeah. because you don't really care about like, zero. Right. Yeah, I'm just I'm what I'm saying is I think that's a really great point, Ian. That like once you once you hit this, they can't play another ch- they can't play a chalice for one after you ticked up their chalice that was on one, ticked it up to two. So that's a really interesting. I didn't think about that, but that's really interesting. Like if you just engineer explosives it or you ratchet bombed it, they could just next turn play another chalice for one. Yeah, honestly, this looked yeah. crazy to me. If I were bringing this deck, I would have brought engineer explosives for sure in in a larger number because of its application yeah. in like elves, death and taxes. You can bring it in against like storm decks. You know, it has a lot more application across the board. But I wouldn't have expected this tournament to be, you know, 22, 23% chalice decks. Obviously, right, they made right. the right call there and they got paid off for it. Yeah, for sure. That's yeah. a really great point. We were actually just talking about the, well, the large concentration of chalice decks that were in this tournament. 
keep in mind too, engineering explosives only ever gets a two. They only have two way two colors of mana in this deck. They can't make a third, um, so that limits engineered explosives. Uh, you know, playability. I, I I look through the list though, and they're the only card that costs two is days. So it also just might be a call. It's like to get your opponent <laughs> because it's like, oh, your child. You thought your child was on one. It's on two now. I hope you don't have a bunch of spells in your deck that cost two. <laughs> Absolutely, that's a great point. Um, so that that's pretty sweet. I, I think that Throne of Geth is good tech. Uh, or not, I think it's cool tech. I, I think we still need to see if it's actually going to end up being good. I'd be interested to pick Josh Utterlayden or, uh, uh, did Andrew run it? Uh, as far as running Throne of Geth. He also ran Throne of Geth. Uh, pick either of their brains, uh, you know, what their thoughts were on Throne of Geth at the, uh, Yeah, we've seen steady progress, which I believe is like two and a blue draw card proliferate. And there's like a one that Infect runs sometimes. It's like a Tezzeret's Gambit that's like three and a Phyrexian. Yes. Draw two cards, proliferate. So we've seen that stuff pop up before. But this is... Yeah. It makes more sense in uh, in uh, Infect because it can also just be a, a kill card. Like if they're on nine, you just proliferate. Absolutely. But this is like, this deck doesn't expect to be getting to, I guess, three or four mana reliably. So I can kind of understand why you just want a two, you know, just get it over with quickly. Yeah, yeah, I, I'd be interested to try it out. Um, yeah, the deck definitely looks sweet. I think it's so funny though. We've been seeing pop up. People are like, oh, I can't wait to try out uh, Death Shadow, proxying it up for F and M, and they just wrote like Watery Grave over an underground. Oh scene. God, really? <laughs> I mean, it was on the sleeve. It wasn't on the card. Thank itself. God. <laughs> but just the tongue in the tongue in cheek. It's like, oh, the budget deck is all of a sudden the best uh, the best uh, deck in Legacy. All of a so sudden. So I jumped in a league last night with Maverick, just straight uh, white green Maverick, and faced three of these blue black decks, and it was just like teeing off. I went two o one. One guy timed out actually, but uh, you know people rush to play like the deck that just did well. Everybody wants like that new experience, you know, seeing if it's the best deck. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, it's it's super fun, like, just to be able to pick them off yeah. right now. Well, I think it's great is now a bunch of modern players all of a sudden come to the realization, it's like, oh, I can actually play Legacy. Like, only getting one Underground C and already having the rest of their deck, like, that is definitely doable for many I players. Think, I actually think they just like dying on base. turns two and three in Modern. I don't really <laughs> want to come over to Legacy where you can have interesting interactive <laughs> games. They don't want that. <laughs> Yeah, they're like, oh man, the light at the end of the tunnel. I can cross over into the promise. Modern, land. modern is the uh, they are the four pumps of formats. If you know what I'm saying, <laughs> dude, I, I envy um, my co-host uh, Tom's ability to have been able to watch this whole pro tour because there was a, a stretch from like round ten to thirteen where they were starting with modern every time, and I would just straight turn it off and and just hope <laughs> to come back in time for the next round. I, I can't stun it after a certain threshold. I just can't watch any more modern. Yeah, it it just it's not a format that interests me. It's I actually don't mean to crap on it too much because I know people love it and I think it's great that people love it, but it's just not for me. And I it's fun for me to to. There's a lot of cool innovations going on in the format, but it seems to me like it's it's really more about deck building right now, you know, and trying to trying to get a leg up. Like this Vengevine thing that you see going on right now, that was pretty oh, sweet. Man. I'm glad you brought that up. All right, I'm going to tangent completely. Uh, we're going to come back to talking about kind of top eight, but uh, I kind of want to port that Vengevine list over into Legacy. Like that, that looks Dude, do you have $250 to buy some Vengevines or what? Oh, my God. Hey, what kills me is I sold my play set of Vengevines and Bridge for Blows. <laughs> I'm just like, oh, I'm never going to use these again. Because <laughs> I had Vengevines from like back in the old Intuition Day Vengevine. 
Like, Vengevine used to be a legacy deck with intuition, so you would intuition for him and dump him in your graveyard and then just play some creatures, and all of a sudden you'd have your Vengevines back. Was that like a tier one deck? Uh, I don't think it was ever tier one. It was very popular. Like, I mean, I would say, I would put it, it, it was, it was... It was never like tier one, but it was not something you'd be surprised to run into. And this, this is like, but we're talking like 2012, 2013. So all I'd ever heard with regards to Vengevine was survival. Yeah, that too. That was, I mean, that's from, that was, I mean, that's another, that's a whole another okay. story. Okay, yeah, it predates me um, playing Legacy, so. Yeah, we actually, uh, when Adam Bernalo came on the cast, uh, we talked about uh, Vengevine because we kind of classified it as a as a reanimator style deck. Okay. Uh, but yeah, that that kind of broke broke legacy for a while. Um, after the fact, people still wanted to play with their Vengevine, so they tried it with you know Intuition. Interesting. Um, but this is super interesting because you get double the value out of Vengevine. So you run Vengevine and Bridge from the Blow. And you pitch it into your graveyard using like Faithless Looting and Cather's Revival and the new ba- new Battle Bond card. Uh, I think it's Stitcher's Apprentice or something like that. It's like one black for a one one when it comes into play or when it dies. Mill three off the top of your line. Yeah, I'm nineteen. I think. Oh, is yeah, that in standard? That's what's from. Yeah, yeah, that card's sweet. I actually saw a sweet Jun list playing that. Um and but yeah that card is really the engine that kind of makes the consistency of the deck work in uh, modern, um uh, but so you just fill your graveyard with uh looting effects and the Stitcher's Apprentice you have you drop Venge Vines in your graveyard you drop uh Bridge from Below's in your graveyard uh and you also drop like Grave Crawlers in your graveyard and the Stitcher's Apprentice is a zombie so it causes uh Grave Crawlers to come back oh nice. Yeah, and then you play just all the X-Drop creatures, like Hangerback Walker, Walking Ballista, Endless One. So you just, you play them on zero, it counts as a creature cast for Vengevine, and then it goes immediately to the graveyard and triggers Bridge from Below. That's good deck building, so yeah. So you're playing, yeah, you, you just, you, disco, you play the cards for free, they die, they go to the graveyard, you get zombie tokens, and then you return Vengevines to play, and all of a sudden you have just a massive army swinging at your opponent's face. Like, I was seeing some insane plays where they would just go, like, uh, Faithless Looting, Discard 2, Bridge from Belows, uh, Flash It Back, cast Vengevine, uh, put Vengevines in the graveyard, play some Endless Ones, and they have, like, 20 power on board on turn three. Jeez. Yeah, I saw some greater Gargadon nonsense going on, too. Yeah, Greater Gargadon was making an appearance. So I think it'd be cool to kind of port it over to to Legacy and just, like, imagine adding something like... So how different is that from Zombardment, though? Is Zombardment just, like, the port of that? So Zombardment is, I would say, the closest Legacy version of the deck, but Zombardment is a lot more, uh, I would say, susceptible and also slower because you're also dropping Blood Gas and Grave Crawlers in your graveyard, and you're you triggering them to come back uh, by casting spells that you're actually you know casting you know you're casting things like uh, uh, lingering souls and your blood gas you're making your land drops and uh, you're playing uh, goblin bombardment to sack the creatures in order to ping your opponent. It just it doesn't have the same oomph that this deck does has. Like I think adding bridge from below is a huge benefit to the list because it just adds so many. Uh, zombie token. Yeah, I guess I didn't realize that Zombardment didn't play bridge. Yeah. I mean, so, some people, I mean, it's hard to say with Zombardment just because it's not a super yeah, popular for deck. Sure. I don't see very many lists pop, pop up. But I have a few friends who play Zombardment and, like, they ran one bridge as, like, an Entomb target. Oh, interesting. <laughs> so, I forgot about Entomb. 
Yeah. So I mean, Zombardman is definitely a more engine is more like engine setup, slow grind out your opponent deck. Whereas this Vengevine list is very much just beat your opponent's face in as quickly as possible. And you know, I was watching this modern deck just routinely get turn two and turn three wins. <laughs> Um, so, I mean, when you see power like that, like as in, as in the case we saw with Death Shadow, it's like, you know, maybe that's something interesting. Maybe something we can port over to Legacy and have some fun with. Maybe we can get blue in there. That's what I'm thinking. Bring back, bring back the intuition. Because you don't have to cast <laughs> Vengevine, right? You don't actually need green mana, so make it like a Grixis deck. No. Maybe we could play Delvers in yeah, there. Yeah, you make it a Grixis deck. Yeah, well, because making a Grixis adding blue allows you to bl- play things like Breakthrough and Careful exactly. Study. Uh, which, you know, even more uh, power into filling your graveyard. And then, you know, just adding blue in Legacy is usually a good thing. Get some Brainstorms and Force of Wills. Like yeah, I actually said Delver. I meant to say Days, but... <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I definitely want to try it out. However, it's not going to be for a while because, like you said, Vengevine and Bridge from Below prices are through the freaking roof. Dude, it's insane. They're like $40 bridges, I think. Yeah. I have zero. I sold them at like 10 at GPC. Nice. Yeah. I used the money to buy Blackboard Underground Seas, though, so I can't be that. That's my financial advisor, everyone. (laughs) (laughs) I used Ian's 401k to buy Blackboard (laughs) Underground Seas. Anyways, that's the sweet Vengevine deck. I I do want to try that out. It it actually had me wanting to play Modern until I remembered what it was Modern. Exactly. (laughs) Play it against KCI and see how you like it. (laughs) <laughs> oh my god i heard modern is like all pci and tron and it's just not and humans and it's not fun that that's another thing i actually need to find is i know that somewhere in my possessions is a box with like 20 or 30 crack clan iron works because i bought so many mirrored and booster boxes back in the day and i i loved crack clan iron so i had like three or four <laughs> crack clan iron decks like casual sell, just like sell them sell them now it's gonna get banned decks. sell them now I know. I need to find them. That's my problem. I can't find them. Of course them. you love that card. Of course. Yeah, of course. I, yeah, Crackland Ironbrex is so cool. You played it in, I played it in Standard with the Mirror Retriever and then the uh, the the Disciple of Geth, I think it was. It's like one black for a 1-1 one, one whenever an artifact goes to the graveyard. Your opponent loses one life and you gain one life. Like, that was a Standard deck. Come on. Dude, all right. <laughs> so since you're talking about random cards I've never heard of, I just want to say real quick, I just finished listening to the Gavin 2 episode that uh, Pat just stranded you all alone to do with uh, <laughs> with Gavin Burhat. And I want to say, like, you did a great job, Jerry. That would be, like, the most terrifying yes. experience for me, to be all alone doing a podcast with Gavin. Because he fires out, he fires <laughs> off these random cards. He's like, oh, what's that uh, mythic angel or demon we had from Kaladesh? Oh, what's that uh, rare removal spell called from M19? It's on the tip of my tongue. And you're just like, you're handling it. I, like, I only know legacy cards, old school cards, and cards in the most recent draft format. And I don't even know their names necessarily. I just I just know what they do. Imagine, uh, you know, all the other useful stuff I could store in that memory space that is instead just <laughs> Oh, man. Uh, but yeah, so with it going back to kind of the the pro tour, um, I, what do you what do we think? I mean, I don't know how much we can actually take away from the pro well, tour results as far there, as like the legacy. There was one game. takeaway I want to mention, and it's this: when people said that legacy was going to be on the pro tour, the the consensus from a lot of people, especially the ones who don't play legacy, said, "Oh, 
The pros are going to break this format. They're going to find a deck that's just far <laughs> yeah. and away the best deck that's going to ruin the fo- blah, 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 blah. I just want to say there is nothing, honestly, like new or that innovative. Uh, nothing I would say, quote unquote, breaks the format. And that could be one of, there could be one of two reasons, right? The first is that, like, you're one seat at a pro tour. How much time are you going to spend trying to innovate in a format that is as stable as Legacy is? And that's that's one thing, right? I mean, coming off a of ban, you can make an argument the other way, but I still think the, the format is pretty stable and pretty pretty well known. But the other thing is I think that I feel like Legacy, the, com- the community and the players should feel a little bit of redemption here that even though the Pro Tour was, you know, had Legacy as one of the seats, uh, everyone was playing a Legacy deck in their team, that no one was going to quote-unquote break the format. Like, we've done the best we can to make it as efficient and explosive as possible and that the pros were not able to one-up us like I, like they're able to do with, uh, you know, standard every time there's a standard Pro Tour or a lot of times <laughs> modern, there's like a, a breakout modern deck. And it was really heartening and, and kind of redeeming to see that they were not able to do that with Legacy, and I really thought that was a, speaks speaks a lot to the way the format is. Yeah, yeah. Just people were saying the pros were going to solve legacy. Like right. I always kind of got a chuckle yeah. out of that. Like, there you don't solve legacy unless there's something busted, like uh, like uh, blue red delver it? with treasure uh, cruise or something like that. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, like yes, Bob solved that. Yeah, it, it, it solved <laughs> it so well it had to be banned, right? But like that was, but again, right. that was that was Bob Wong. It was like you know one of the best legacy players, innovators, I think around. Um, I, I don't know. For me, it was just like it spoke a lot to. The most recent bannings of of uh, Deathrite Shaman and Cataxian Probe, and like, hey, look, like the format is actually super healthy. It's very diverse. Um, I think that the top the top ten decks are are great to have as your top ten decks, and I think that like there are like a, a deck like Infect or or um, or Monarch Prison or even like the Eldrazi decks, like Blue White Stoneblades, they all have they all have a shot right at, at, at winning in a legacy yeah. event so i don't know i was just really happy to see like again i didn't get to watch any of it i was really happy to see that at, when the dust settled the format is just as awesome and just as diverse and just as uh healthy as it's been uh lately for us and i was just happy to see that yeah pat i'd completely echo that sentiment and whatever people say like the pros are going to break legacy it's like have you seen sneak and show have you seen red black reanimator like the format would already be broken. Like, what are you going to come up with something more efficient than that? You know, more yeah. ruthless. Like, we have force of will. We have wasteland. We have days. We have all these checks on the format mm-hmm. that exist. So, no matter how how much you want to break it in any sort of you know combo direction, it, it's just going to be as good as the other combo decks. You know, mm-hmm. which is fine. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Also, the second point we always hear closely following the pros are going to quote unquote break legacy is. Uh, legacy on the Pro Tour is going to uh, cause problems with the legacy finance and just the price of legacy staples, which was definitely something I admittedly was afraid yeah. of. You yeah. know, if if lands was the best, uh, if lands was the best deck in this meta, you know, how much is Tabernacle going to go? Um, strangely enough, though, the Tabernacle price spike happened months and months and months <laughs> before this and had nothing to do with it. So now we just see it's like, all right, these price spikes are going to happen whether Legacy is on the Pro Tour yeah. or not. 
Um, and I think this time, I, I think we probably got lucky. The fact that a, a modern deck is the quote unquote breakout deck of the of the yeah. tournament. So that was pretty lucky in that regard. And we did definitely see dual land prices tick up beforehand. Like dual land prices have been steadily rising for the past six months. But it's not like we're seeing like ten thousand dollars. Right, and and it's not it's like not that. like they haven't been rising for the last eighteen months. So you know, it's just. They're just going to keep ticking up until the reserve list is done away with in the way, the way I mentioned, which I think is the most perfect plan of all time. And uh, I think they should just do it that style. And uh, yeah. Uh, so can we say legacy safe for the Pro Tour? Look, can we put a seal? Of yeah, I mean, honestly, that? I so again, as someone who hasn't watched any of the Pro Tour yet, I will say that like <laughs> just as an observer of, of someone who like frequents a lot of Twitter um, and, and Facebook and Discord to an extent, um, People, oh, you mean a yeah. lurker from a lurker's well, perspective? That's all I have time for, man. I'm not here to make. Con- I make content here, and that's it. And sometimes I don't even make content here. Uh, yeah, just four four pumps in the corner. <laughs> um, what, but one of the things I, th- th- you know, this episode is going to be four pumps, right? Like it's not. Like, <laughs> um, uh, I actually forgot where I was going with that shit. I think you're talking about Brightling. Uh, as 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 a as a lurker. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. So the the general consensus was. Wow, this Pro Tour is awesome. Legacy is great. I think the format came out looking really, really good and interested people. And I think seeing it played at such a high level is great for the game and great for the great for the format. And I think it's awesome. And I think we should yeah. see. I don't think every um, Pro Tour should be no. a team Pro Tour, but like once every year would be pretty sweet. Yeah, I, I could get down with that. You're right. I wouldn't want the Legacy to be on mm. every Pro Tour because. You know, just the more chances you throw at it, the more likely something wrong is well, going to happen. Well, not, like, not even that, but, like, I think playing in a team event as a pro, I don't think the I don't think the pros prefer that kind of event. Like, I, I feel like a lot of people are getting teamed out in a lot of these uh, a lot of these team events that are going on. Like, people are starting to wear on people. It's not as, it's not like, it doesn't have that, you know, uh, it, it is, uh, it's become a lot more common, I think. So, I, I anyway, my point is that I think, Team events um, don't need to be as frequent, and I don't think we need every Pro Tour to be a team event, but I think once a year or once every 18 months is pretty awesome. I think it was a good solution, too, because you only needed one-third the total number of players having mm-hmm. legacy decks, so you didn't hear any complaints at all about card yeah. availability or anything like that. You know, yeah. if, if everyone who won yeah. their local uh, RPTQ or whatever was qualified for a legacy Pro Tour, you definitely had people on Twitter complaining, oh, how yeah. am I going to get these cards, etc., yeah. etc., this was like the perfect format Definitely. and if they did this like once every you know six pro tours or something like that or that would be totally fine in my opinion yeah agreed, agreed. yeah that that's a great point that's a great point ian as far as just you know only having one third of the field needing legacy yeah. decks i think yeah you're right that probably had a big impact on you know prices not getting out of control for certain yeah stages. and not everyone had to play legacy you know yep Totally. So one of my takeaways from this tournament uh, was the card Brightling. I don't know if you guys noticed, but there were, I want to yeah. say, uh, maybe three Death and Taxes decks had brought Brightling, but they actually had uh, underperformed relative to the other Death and Taxes decks as far as how the teams did. Mm-hmm. And there was sort of this meme that was making the rounds last week uh, where it was like the uh, why am I losing to Sneak and Show starter pack? And it was just... <laughs> It was just it's it was just three, it's yeah, three brightlings and uh and then a guy saying I'm thinking about a fourth in the sideboard. Oh my god. So basically you had these decks, like the two that made the top four. They had I, I think three and four revokers respectively. 
uh, one and two mm -hmm. prelates. You know, not shaving on those hate cards, like the typical hate bears, especially like I think Marcio's list when I looked at it. There were no like get across the finish line cards. There were no Brightlings, and I want to say there were no Mirren Crusaders, and it was just strictly hate hate bears. Uh, his his two get across the line. He's running two Sarah of right, yeah, which is not something we see very often anymore. Like that's old school death and taxes. Yeah, absolutely, and that was all he had as as far as like a a true top end. You know, he had two palace jailers. I want to say. But that, that's a hate bear yeah. again, you know, that serves a purpose, like a disruptive purpose. And the Yeah, I will say No, I'll these cards that. that, you know, are strictly like these mid to late game cards, and especially Brightling, which can get, you know, sort of blocked by a baleful strix, you know, you end up staring at each other. I just feel like it really wasn't the right call right now. Yeah, uh, I think what's also we should mention uh, Alan Wu was the first place legacy player uh, with death and taxes and um, watching his matches, especially against like uh, 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 Suk uh, Sukenek, uh, it, Palace Jailer put in a lot of work. I saw a lot of Palace Jailers getting cast in the later rounds of the tournament. Um, and that was something I wanted to bring up, Ian, so I'm glad you brought it up, is just that we were seeing more Palace Jailers than Breitling at the top tables. Absolutely. And I uh, I actually found out recently that uh, Palace Jailer is a soldier as well, so yes, I'm yes, actually going to be testing that deck this week once the uh, new Commander product comes out. Oh, sweet! Um, yeah, I think they actually even named Palace Jailer card of the tournament for Legacy on. Uh, on Interesting. Cast. Um, yeah, I saw I was putting in work um, again. Sukenic, uh, it didn't really pay off. Um, because Sukenek was able to just kind of flood the board with uh, Liliana the Last Hope rebuying, uh, like Delver of Secrets and Gurmag Anglers, uh, and just having an army of them. But like Palace Javer definitely staved off defeat and definitely stole a lot of victories, just being able to, uh, first of all, just exile a threat. And then just, it's a howling mine. It's a one sided howling mine. Like that card does so much. Dude, work. it's so crazy too, because it's so counterintuitive when you're playing against it. Because you keep thinking, okay, I get yes. rid of this creature and I get my, my thing back. But actually, you break him out of jail by getting the monarch back. So there were a lot of a lot right. of times where you know I'm looking at the board state, the commentators are looking at the board state, and we're just making these assumptions that just aren't true because the card's so counterintuitive. Yeah, I, I I learned that the hard way. First time I ever played against Palace Jailer, I poured all this effort into killing the Palace Jailer. I think I was on Grixis Delver to get a Gurmag Angler back, so I like killed the, pa the Palace Jailer by like du double blocking it with like two Deathrite Shamans. And he's like, "Okay, kill your Deathrite Shaman." I'm like, "And I got my Gurmag back, right?" He's like, "No." <laughs> <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> like then I read Palace Jailer, I'm like, "Oh, son of a bitch!" Oh man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, you're right. It is a very unintuitive card. Yeah, so what we realized with uh, with the new Esper Planeswalker is you blink Palace Jailer, and you, they don't get anything back. You just get to snag another creature, and you're still the Monarch. Yeah. Well, same same is true with Flicker Wisps. You Flicker Wisp your Palace Jailer, and you get to exile another exactly, creature. Exactly, man. <laughs> uh, so are you going to test the uh, the Esper Planeswalker? People were saying it may be uh, Legacy Planeswalker. I 100% don't know if it's legacy playable <laughs> but <laughs> good Very but i really answer. want yeah i really want to play it i want it to be good so i'm gonna will it there yeah <laughs> good i mean the art is super sweet if nothing else yeah um it is gonna be only foil though that's not a problem for me 
could could be another Kess incident. Uh, actually, speaking of real quick, talking about uh, Pro Tour ruining MTG Finance. It's funny that actually did happen this uh, Pro Tour, but it was with a standard card. <laughs> did you hear about the hubbub about Nexus? Oh, is this the time warp? Yeah, the time warp that was only a buy a box promo and only came in foil. So they were having to do the Kess thing with Nexus of Fate. We're giving like proxies for people in standard with Nexus of Fate uh, because they couldn't run the foil versions because they were warped. Uh, but yeah, Nexus of Fate is a $100 standard card. First one since What? Jeez. Seriously? Oh, yeah. Because o- it was only available as a super limited edition buy a box promo. That's insane, man. I-, I really wish I had one now. I know, right? But yeah, it's just funny that the Pro Tour did break finance, but it wasn't for <laughs> Legacy. <laughs> yeah, what really moved in Legacy? Nothing that I can think of. I mean, we've just seen a steady tick up in pri- what. What's really going to be interesting is I want to see where prices go in the next six months because we've been seeing Spoiler a steady tick up in legacy up. prices. <laughs> Who knows, Pat? Uh, but we've seen the steady ever. tick up. What's going to happen in oh legacy? My- what happens in the prices? Well, the last last twelve <laughs> years aren't any indication of what's going to happen in the next six months. I want to. I want to. I wanted to get fool. Pat's uh, opinion on the financial markets in like 2007. Like, Pat, what do you think the stock market's going to do next year? It's going to keep going up like Buy it always does. Buy property. <laughs> <laughs> Buy houses on credit. <laughs> <laughs> But no, I mean, we've seen the steady tick up. I mean, I don't necessarily think the market's going to go down next year, but I'd be surprised if we see as fierce a tick up in legacy prices as we did this year. Like we were seeing some crazy price hikes every once in a while. Every It felt like every other day for a while, there was a new just all time high for a legacy. I do agree year. with you, Jerry, but there's always a event on the horizon, right? Like there's Richmond and then there's Eternal Weekend. Yeah, and legacy 5K. Like, I mean, these are going exactly. to like, move some major cards, you know? Yeah, the leading a legacy 5K causing buyouts around the country. There's just always something on the horizon to keep people, you know, still looking for the cards, keep the demand up. When there's no events on the horizon, you know, maybe then we'll see some pullback. But right now, I do feel like it's going to stay flat for quite a while. Yeah, that would be my... my, my prediction is it we see prices stabilize. And not that this is a finance cast or anything, but I did sell off all my excess bayous because I just don't see them being played anywhere right now. Yeah, good call. Um, anything else we want to talk about the top eight of the Pro Tour? Cover all of it? I mean, it's, it's just not that interesting. Like, it's not that big of a deal because, again, it's, it's a team event. <laughs> Right, you know, we can't really take that much. Uh, me and Tom got a, in a little bit of a tiff. Ooh, yeah. He, uh, wait, wait, these are <laughs> drawing comparisons to anti-vaxxers. It was great. <laughs> Jerry loves to bring up the anti-vaxxers. Oh, yeah, he does. Because <laughs> they're like flat earthers. They're just so easy ants. to make fun this of. This is like anti-vaxxers. <laughs> it's your favorite cudgel. Yeah, well, c- uh, I love that art because Archer is a great show. But yeah, Tom posted his like breakdown where he like did the correlation of like mean team points, and I was like, Tom, you're just over analyzing the data and drawing this conclusions. Is, that this aren't is what there. happens when you're a maths <laughs> teacher on vacation. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly. So I'm, I'm just like, I was out golfing over at this point, and I I checked my phone. I've got like 28 messages. Tom's like, he deleted it. Yeah. He just deleted my message. He looks he, like Tom's in, a, in his basement looking like Charlie from It's Always Sunny. Right? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I just got like, you know, like, he's like, it's not stupid, you're stupid. <laughs> 
<laughs> no, but I was just like, Tom, this is how you get anti-vaxxers when you just like overanalyze data that you can't really analyze because the data is corrupted by other variables that you can't control for. And it just so happens that it's it's corresponding to your preconceived notions. Like that should be your first red yeah. flag. <laughs> yeah, there's a big disclaimer on it. You know, you're, you're uh, high and low certainty levels are, are definitely adjusted down for this sort of event. Yeah, and I still love you, Tom. It's it's okay, but uh, I I still think if you do data analysts like that, you end up with uh, proof that vaccinating your kids is bad. <laughs> <laughs> Though we don't want anti-vaxxers in Legacy. Keep anti-vaxxers out of Legacy 2018. <laughs> Not even here to defend himself. <laughs> hey, we invited him on to defend himself, and he had to do. Dungeon yeah, Dragons. we're recording in 35 minutes, so I'm just gonna tell him that. You know, everything was fine. I stood up for him, so he'll, ne- he'll never hear this. Uh, also, we did a friendly uh, uh, M- uh, Legacy Casters uh, Fantasy League for the Oh, yeah, team. you were going to be in my poops for this, by the way. Oh, really? <laughs> oh, Welching out on the bed. Uh, but- watching you guys made a bet while i was in the backwoods of maine without internet i come back to civilization and tom's like all right you owe me a place set of grizzle no, no 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 you owe one grizzle brand we each owe one grizzle brand to the way oh my god i never first of all shame on you guys for wagering our lord and savior <laughs> taking his name in vain that is terrible and second of all i didn't never i never agreed to this bet i come back to civilization and it's like oh by the way we're all wagering grizzle brands here <laughs> I you never bet the G man. So, so Tom's gonna have three Grizzle brands: one from uh, Pat, one from myself, and I'll one get, from our buddy I'll, James. What, how much are they? I'll, how much are they? I'll give Tom like twelve bucks or how it's, much they are. I'm just not giving them. It's gotta be brand. altered, bro. That's the whole point. <sighs> do I have to buy a Grizzle brand to send to Tom to alter? Yeah, no, you have to alter I'll it yourself that. and send it off. I'm not. My Grizzle brands are precious. I am not giving up my Grizzle brands. You have to desecrate one of them. I'm sorry. No, <laughs> Jerry. You don't have a you choice, Jerry. Otherwise, for... you have no, uh, you have no uh, honor between podcasts. <laughs> no. You have no choice here. Pat, Pat, with, Pat with the vocab words tonight. Where are you pulling these honor? Out of Pat? <laughs> <laughs> it's literally that, five that letters. Jerry. I'm sorry. That, yeah, that is that is the point. I need the meme where it's like the stick figure and the joke just flying over the stick <laughs> figure's head. <laughs> oh man. Uh, Tom, I will buy a Grizzle brand and alter and send it to you, but I'm not sending you my Grizzle Atta brand. <laughs> That's all we asked. Uh, no, you wanted my Grizzle brands. I am not giving those up. <laughs> uh anyways uh real quick silver showcase any of you guys well i know pat didn't watch shit but ian did you catch any of the silver show uh, every just only every minute of it yeah basically every minute of it <laughs> uh so i guess it was pretty disappointing from a promotional uh standpoint because it topped out at eleven thousand viewers which is like what an sc no i think that was a mean number because when i was watching there were at least seventeen thousand okay but i mean it's still not like they were expecting like triple digit viewers for that and they did dude so they did it during rush hour on a thursday as far as like east coast is concerned like what the hell is that i had no idea that that was their time frame like who planned that i was listening to it in the car and like doing some very unsafe maneuvering so that i could watch the you know the the rares come down but that was just awful timing and I feel like the matches were like staggered at these weird points, like unpredictably, like before or after the play starts. It was really 
really not handled you know as well as it could have been in my opinion but it's just so cool to see the cards open yeah i mean so for those who didn't know they did a rochester draft of beta antiquities and was it legends or alliances yeah no it was uh beta followed by legends then antiquities and arabian nights combined into one pack and then beta beta okay so that's pretty cool um, and I think what a lot of people are complaining about is instead of getting like the pros of magic or like the well-known old school players or, you know, the people who have been around for forever, they definitely had some of them, but they invited just a lot of Hearthstone players. Like, I think it was just a really transparent grab for viewers from Wizards to try and like drag a couple Hearthstone players kicking and screaming to magic. And I just feel the last thing you want to show a bunch of Hearthstone players is a beta draft. <laughs> like, who thought that was a good idea? Dude, so I actually felt the same way as you that they were trying to grab these Hearthstone eyeballs. And obviously that was some part of it, but then watching it, they kept running these like arena promos and like talking about Magic Arena during that. So I feel like they were a trying to capture the Hearthstone people, but also trying to capture the enfranchised Magic players into joining Arena, which is something I hadn't considered yeah. and something that that event probably did pretty well. I definitely think from that standpoint, yes, but I think the arena ads were also aimed at those Hearthstone players. It's grabbing these Hearthstone eyeballs and then showing them arena. It's like, hey, magic isn't that that lame magic online you tried one time and hated and uninstalled. Look at the magic arena. It's different. And it's more like Dude, exactly. So I think that that's what they were trying to do. And it was kind of weird. I kind yeah. of expected it to be like rehosted by Amaz and stuff, which it wasn't. So I feel like that probably brought the viewership numbers down quite a bit. Yeah. That's, I feel like Watsy should have freaking had that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, if you're gonna be in this, you gotta rehost it. That's why we're playing. That's why we're having you here. Um, I, I think it was like Todd Anderson or someone tweeted out that uh, maybe if they just put a hundred and fifty thousand dollars in cash in the middle of a table and set it on fire and slowly panned the camera across the pros' faces, it might get. More <laughs> Um, I mean, I think it definitely worked out for us. We got to see a sweet, sweet draft. I don't think it went that well from Watsi's marketing team perspective. No, you're probably right. But honestly, I mean, a lot of the money is going to charity. It's a write-off, right? I'm not sure that they really have 150000 on the books for this. Yeah, that's That's true. neither here nor there. That is true. Yeah. Um, but I mean, yeah, we got to see it. Uh, I've, I feel like Watsy's like emptying out their basement. Like I know it's the 25th anniversary and that's why we're seeing it all. But I feel like we've seen like a lot of old packs come out of the Dude, center. there was a, a similar draft, uh, three beta pack Rochester draft, I believe at Gen Con this weekend. And there'd been one at like, uh, one of the pro tours Vegas recently, yeah. one of the ones in Japan recently. That's yeah, one of the South American ones. There was one. There was a, a revive. An, it was an unlimited uh, booster yeah. draft. They opened a Lotus, I think, in Japan. Yeah, uh, I was talking to Gavin, and he said that they, through all of the drafts that they've done, they've opened every piece of power except for a Mox Sapphire. Interesting. Um, but yeah, so I mean, I don't think we're going to see much more of this. I think they're tapering it off now that the 25th anniversary, uh, you know, promotions are running down. But it was cool to see. Yeah, Jerry, when are you, like when are you going to come to old school? 
Uh, when I find my uh, trust fund laying under my mattress, <laughs> I don't have enough time to play legacy, let alone all these. <laughs> Someone was yelling at me today to play vintage. I'm like, I would love to play vintage. However, I just don't have the time to play legacy, let alone another format that I don't even own any decks. for. Yeah, that's pretty tough. But old school is so casual, man. It's, it's like, it's so much fun. We're playing like every weekend at this point. If you, if you tell me to show up at the shop and hand me a deck, I will play in an old school. You got to bring a six pack though. All right, that is easy. <laughs> you hand me five thousand dollars in cardboard, and I'll hand you uh, nine ninety nine in beer. <laughs> Deal. Where do you get a six pack for just nine ninety nine, Jerry? You drink some cheap ass beer. Jeez. No. Well, hold on, Pat. My twelve packs are nine ninety nine. All right, so back, back off, <laughs> yeah. back off. None of this hipster crap. Do you get the special discount from Landshark? Is that what it is? Uh. Man, I remember, I remember the college days getting thirty packs of Genesee Cream Ale for like twelve. Oh man, you want to hear a good oh, fancy? <laughs> Here's a quick story. I remember trying to so in uh, at Framingham State, it was like a dry campus. I remember trying to sneak into the dorms. I had like my football back, my football fucking uh, duffel bag, and I tried to sneak in three thirty racks at once in the duffel bag. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't work out in my favor. <laughs> Uh, I remember in my college there there was the parking garage right near the dorms and uh, every Monday in the parking garage you would see empty 30 pack containers <laughs> littering the garage because the kids would pull in the garage take their backpacks out unload the 30 rack cans into their backpacks to sneak them into the dorm room and then ditch the 30 rack cardboard in the in the parking That's garage awesome. <laughs> yeah I just used to sneak the handles in in my dirty laundry bring it into the dorm because no one's going to search through your dirty laundry because it smells and it's gross so you were bringing dirty laundry into your dorm? Yep. <laughs> Not That's suspicious the price you have to pay. That's all. the price you have to pay for, for liquor in your room, man. Well, yeah, I still wouldn't want to search it. <laughs> trying to get in the game. <laughs> um, but yeah, so, all right, well, anything else we want to talk about, about the, uh, the PT? Uh, I just want to mention Tim Willoughby keeping up his title as uh, best caster. Uh, he's super enjoyable to listen to, uh, and he was actually fairly knowledgeable about legacy. Yeah, every time I see him, he's uh, I mean, he always does a great job. I can't tell the difference yeah. between him and Riley Knight. I believe his name is Riley Quarry Tower. That dude. Oh yeah, I mean Riley's. Yeah, they're both great. pretty good. Like both of them, in my opinion. Yeah. Um. Other than that, I just have a quick thing. I just saw this uh, like half an hour ago before we started recording. Did you see Ely Cassis's new tournament he announced? No, no. Uh, e- Ely Cassis with uh, Dragon Loot Gaming is doing a one thousand dollar buy-in uh, tournament. Entry fee is one thousand dollars, and top eight is like power. A, a uh, twenty-four, like, probably a twenty-four man event. This has got to be a joke, right? No, it's a hundred percent real. Bob was looking for people to buy in for a piece of the action, like it's a poker there's no, tournament. There's no way this this fires with with that many people. Ah, uh, uh, you would no. be surprised. Jerry, send me the link. So, send me the link, please. It's in the show notes. It's it's in the sh- it's in the show notes. I Pat, I was gonna, I was thinking about going until I realized I have a wedding that. There's weekend. no way this thing fires, Jerry. If you if they you already have me, Jerry, people I'll go play. What, what format is it? I'm not bankrolling you to play what in this. What format is it? <laughs> I was debating bankrolling Bob Huang. I'm definitely not bankrolling what? you. They're playing. <laughs> wait, hold on. It's a thousand dollar buy-in. Eternal formats yep. mixed. Yeah, so legacy, legacy and vintage, and round one modern, modern, round two modern. legacy, round three proxy vintage, round four. Ugh, ugh. 
She has to pay a thousand dollars to be subjected to fucking proxy vintage and playing modern. No thanks. Clear my schedule, Hard boys. Pass. Hard pass. <laughs> Ian's showing up. <laughs> I really don't want to play modern, but other than that, I am fucking sold on this event. I've been waiting for this forever. Yeah, first place unlimited Black Lotus, second place unlimited unlimited Ancestral Recall, third place Mox Ruby, fourth place Mox Pearl, fifth place a Underground Sea Volcanic and Badlands, sixth Underground Tundra Badlands. All right, we, okay. There's, there's prizes. We don't Badlands. need to read them all. There's that's, a shit ton of prizes. Wait, wait. What's thirteenth, Jerry? <laughs> uh, <laughs> there's, that's that's if there's 16 people. 16 per people show up, and first place. Gets so if you if you list. come to the top, that is insanely you get half of your value back. Well, actually, no, a little bit more than that. A little more than that. If you come in, eight. yeah, more. I mean, it's paying out to 50 percent of the field. I don't know, man. I'm not sold on this event. I'm not paying a thousand dollars to play. Well, I'm yeah, not paying a thousand dollars. I'm not you'll paying a thousand dollars to play modern. <laughs> fucking no way. <laughs> That honestly, that's where it, that's where it gets me. Is the mo- is modern like no hard pass? What if they what if they replace modern with old? Sure, school? I would play that, and then I would play that in a heartbeat. <laughs> you would flush the thousand dollars down the drain because you know as well as I do that we have no idea how old school. No, I, I don't even know. Like I'm just gonna. <laughs> I I I bankroll Ian for that if it was old school. Yeah, Ian, Bro, this, let's get in on some of your action. This modern part is really bugging me now that you guys are mentioning. Yeah, it. like is this one third modern? Yes. Well, it's it's yeah, exactly. That's exactly what it is. Which oh, is like some fuck? bullshit. Yeah, it's like why? Why? Like first of all, modern like well, you know what? Let's not even get into it. It's not even worth talking about. If you want to spend $1000 to go play modern, here the links in the show notes. <laughs> Bob Huang is, is bankrolling there. I'm going to pay Bob Huang to uh Good. Take I it hope down. he steals your money. <laughs> he doesn't even show up. What's this uh, Josh Alexander Great Richmond deck swap? What's that all about? Oh, yes. Josh Alexander uh, posted this on the Leaving a Legacy Facebook page. I just wanted to bring attention because I think it's a really cool idea. And, you know, maybe some people will uh, think, ab- uh, think about doing it. Is He basically tried doing a straight-up deck swap trade for GP Richmond. You know, you show up and you meet up with someone there and you guys swap decks and the price difference you can kind of work out however you want uh but i think it's just a fun way to kind of just get a brand new deck out Hmm. of the blue i don't know if anyone's going to pull it off just because i feel like it's a logistical nightmare comparing conditions and all of that but i mean if one if if one pair of people decide to trade decks oh you're like straight up trading decks you're just yeah straight up trading decks i'm not interested in that Pat Pat never has any interest besides playing Blue Red Delver. I mean, you're not wrong. <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, let's do this Chalice of the Void real quick because we got to get out of here. We're running a little long right now. It's true. All right. Uh, Pat, give me. Uh, what do we have? Uh, come on, people. 35 entries. Wait, 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 wait. Crack. Let me buy five right now. <laughs> you're going to buy five yeah. right now? All right. Ian, big baller. Cracking. All right. Big baller, cracking it to 40. <laughs> uh, cracking it to 40. We just barely. Uh, Pat, I- I'm glad we locked up this next prize while, while this episode was going on. Uh, we locked it up so because this, this was a pitiful showing, people. I yeah, wanted to do bad. better. I know it's a chalice of the void, but we barely, barely Listen, broke TCG has, mid has, on Hasn't this. our <laughs> wonderful, beautiful, just sophisticated first lady told us all to be best? This is not being best, guys. 40 entries on a, on a Chalice of the Void is not being best. It's for charity, for God's sakes. Be charitable. Wait, what did Melania say? Oh, she's just an idiot. No, let's move on. All right, we're doing between 1 to 40. 
yeah, right. one to forty with Ian's. Seven. Seven. Uh, Jonathan. Knapp. Awesome. Um. <laughs> Uh, should we should we announce what our next uh, our next? Uh, Oops, I should turn this app off. Accidental again. Uh, yeah. So um, <laughs> was it was it? <laughs> so uh, good friend of the podcast and just like all around good guy. Like I feel like uh, legacy leagues would not fire if it wasn't for Tom Pep lending out so many legacy decks so people can play on Magic Online. Um, so he, first of all, we talked about it on the cast. Uh, recently took down uh, the SG Classic in Philly, so congratulations to Tom on that. And with his winnings, he wanted to put them to some good use. And so, Jerry, do you want to tell me what he used uh, his winnings to scoop up for us? Tom, good guy Tom, scooped up a third edition slash revised Tropical Islands to be raffled off as our, uh, as our I think, final raffle for the... Uh, you know, Children's Organ Transplant of America yep. for Wesley. So we're going to get... I know I promise I'm going back on my word. I said there weren't any more dual lands in reserve. I lied. We have a tropical island up to raffle. It's going to be on the Facebook page. Uh, all the proceeds uh, going to Children's Organ Transplant yeah. of America. Uh, I am taking the Jacob Baugh token or whatever it is. So, But you guys can have the... You guys can have the <laughs> <laughs> Stupid SCG token. Uh, but yeah, so first of all, Tom is that's a, such an amazing gesture. Like immediately after he won, he like messaged us like, "Hey, like can we put this to some good use?" And so we've been sitting on it for a little bit. We finally got a chance to hammer out the details and uh, just thank you to Tom. He's like just just an amazing guy, one of the nicest people I've met um, in the leg in like in the legacy community. And uh, just shout out to him, man. What a nice nice gesture. Yeah, awesome. So. People, let's see a better turnout than we saw for the chalice. Let's uh, let's get this thing to fire uh, and raise some money. I think I think this will definitely push us over the thousand oh. dollar mark for uh, yeah, the charity. A without a doubt. I mean, we're in, we're in spinning range with Ian's donation, which just came to a hundred uh, nine hundred and twenty. Yep. Yeah, I just sent you guys the receipt. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Ian, I, I believe you. <laughs> 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 oh, that's funny. Uh, so awesome. all right. Well, what else do we have in the docket? We're just going to do scoops and poops, right? Scoops and poops. Oh, well, and also just uh, I bought my ticket for Jeremy Aronson's uh, 40 dual tournament. Oh, yeah, I, got, I still have Louis to do that. Prices on, tic- on uh, fucking yeah. flights just went up like 100 bucks. So, I, Pat, you told me to wait. I'm, they'll, I'm relying they'll go on down you. Again. Don't worry. They'll go down. I should have booked them like two Pat, weeks you're ago, my travel. They'll, they'll drop. <laughs> Pat, you're my travel agent. You <laughs> of course, Jerry. <laughs> I've been there, Pat. And we're actually, also putting, Pat- we're also putting out a call for leaving legacy travel agents. So <laughs> <laughs> we have our editors. We need travel agents. Uh, all right, Pat, you got to get your spot because those spots are going quick. I think they're they're already like more than like probably. I think they're sixty okay, percent yeah, full I'll, at this I'll, point. I'll do that this more. week. Faux show. Sign up now. Sign up now. Do it all right, right awesome. now. Awesome. Uh, so I have two scoops in the top eight this week. Two They're scoops, actually, yeah. Two of our newest page, uh, Patreon uh, family members, and I keep meaning to, to scoop them in, and I keep forgetting. So I apologize for that. But uh, Alex M. and uh, Baiju Bot, both new uh, Patreon members. Uh, thank you so much for uh, helping keep the cast going and, and helping us uh, extend what we do and bring you guys awesome legacy content every week. And we really, really appreciate the support. And uh, join the Discord and come hang out with us. It'd be awesome. Yeah, actually, Baju sent me his uh, new 12 Ooh. post list. 
uh, that he's been working on. So I was talking to him about that uh, the other night, and yeah, just Legacy nice. is awesome. Oh, also, um, I did just order new stickers, Leaving Legacy stickers. They're very high quality. You'll oh, be able yeah, to take the backs sweet. off them and stick them to things like stickers are supposed to do. So <laughs> they will serve the bare minimum function Kerman will as a be sticker. so excited. John Kerman is so excited that we got functioning <laughs> stickers instead of slips of paper that are sometimes stickers if you could get it. Right. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, if you if you like, if you could peel the back <laughs> off without ripping. You need it like in a half. razor blade to like open up the edge of it. Just to <laughs> anyway, these are actually really dope. I got them through a, a new vendor, um, so I'm really excited. They should be in next week. Uh, they look really cool. The proofs look really cool, right, Jerry? So uh, I'll be excited when we get them. Yeah, in. you guys need to get it's some on, stickers that say "Y'all listen to podcasts." <laughs> <laughs> Hell yes. Oh, man, that's great. And uh, my poofs this week is everyone who thought that the pros were going to break Legacy, and they, they couldn't. They tried their best, and they couldn't. And, uh, yeah, that's that's all I got, man. How about you, Jerry? Who are you scooping awesome. in? Uh, I am going to scoop in my buddy Samson. He got married uh, this Samson. weekend, so congrats to him. Samson! <laughs> Sorry, I can't I got can't that. that. No, it's okay. That's I mean, you summed up our entire friendship. <laughs> I want to talk to Sam. <laughs> Samson. Uh, but yeah, I was a groomsman in his wedding. It was up in the backwoods of Maine, so it was pretty awesome. But my poops are bed and breakfast internet. Uh, I was just stranded in the middle of nowhere, Maine, with no way to connect to the internet, so I couldn't watch any of the Pro Tour live. So poops to Maine internet. Bummer. What about you, Ian? Uh, so, yeah, so Scoops, I want to scoop in, obviously, you guys, uh, not for having me on this podcast right now, but for uh, your community in general, the Facebook page, just allowing everyone to promote what they're doing. Like, Tom and I just started this thing, like, uh, you know, a month ago or whatever, and we have just instant listeners, because we're able to stand on you guys' shoulders, and you guys have that stewardship of the community, like, providing this good group, and I can't imagine what a pain in the ass it must be to moderate that shit. <laughs> It is a huge thing. <laughs> that's just fucking it's awful. A labor I wouldn't wish that on my worst of enemies. But you, <laughs> you guys do it, and you do such a wonderful job of it, and it provides us all this like this wonderful space to like you know promote our own stuff that's going on and find out about other stuff. You know, like uh, the Legacy of Lore podcast just came back, and I found mm-hmm. out about it from Leaving a Legacy, as always. So it's just super cool that we have that spot, right? Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, man. I mean, that's a. That's why the podcast started. I mean, me and Adrian just wanted to talk about Legacy, but really we just wanted, you know, people to enjoy Legacy. So, I mean, that page, first and foremost, like Pat said a few days ago, is to just promote the Legacy community. You know, we want to bring people together and, you know, just have a a fun place where people can feel safe and talk about, uh, you know, their favorite format. Absolutely, man. And also I want to scoop in Adrian since you just brought him up. Uh, I miss you, buddy. It's been a couple months since we spoke. I hope you're listening. (laughs) <laughs> it's, just, it's like my, my stand letter made it out of the... <laughs> I hope you made it out of the back I scribbled uh, my address on him perfect <laughs> I, I don't know how that song goes but <laughs> whatever the fuck he says in that song alright Pat what's the content uh, alright you can find me at Pat Uglo find Jerry at JME3RD on Twitter uh, you can find the the podcast uh, on hipstersthecoast.com of course you can find us on Facebook if you want to join the group and find out all the cool legacy stuff that's happening in your area in New England uh, around the world even um, find out new podcasts and all that good stuff um, you can find us on Twitch twitch.tv slash leaving a legacy and also Ian where can they find you on Twitter man 
Uh, at Dead Format Cast. That's Hell the place yeah. you should go. Nice, awesome, and check them out on SoundCloud. Uh, they're drop their newest single next week, and uh, yeah, for sure, check them out. They're, they're they're awesome. We're awesome. Legacy's awesome. That's it. Thanks so much, guys. Come on down to